welcome to episode eight of All's Fair in Love and Film, a movie review podcast where we review our DVD collection in alphabetical order. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And this week, we're going to be covering Alien vs. Predator, directed by Paul Anderson. Now, on our last show, we did say, and I want to say this right at the top, we were going to cover both the Alien vs. Predator movies. However, this has been a really hectic week for us. It's the last week before kind of breaking up for the Christmas break. And um, we've both had some kind of work commitments and Ryan's had some very exciting uh, training and like exam commitments as well. So we've been dealing with that. And um, so we only had time to to do the one film, but we will be right back on track after Christmas. Uh, We're going to take a week's hiatus because obviously our episode would be released on Christmas Day and we will be celebrating with family at that point. Um, But after Christmas, we'll be back on track covering Alien vs Predator 2 and then getting on with We'll have completed the total destruction collection by then, and we'll get out of this alien rut. Well, yeah, but I mean, we still do have Predator, but that's going to be way farther that's down the line. That's on the P, so we're off the hook. And we don't own any Christmas films, so there won't be a holiday special this year. Um, yeah, that's true. That's pretty funny. Um, so yeah, Alien versus Predator. Uh, Ryan, what is your history with this film? To be honest, I only saw it for the first time about six months ago, wh- like at the very start of lockdown when we when we marathon these, um, and I thought it was absolutely great and hilarious in some ways. And yeah, it, it I I don't really have a a longer history with it though. Oh, fair enough. Um, I saw this one quite some time ago. I think I was in my very early teens when I saw it. Cause it um was released in two thousand and four when I was. 10 and at that point um as i think i mentioned in our alien and aliens episode i'd already seen aliens if not alien and um i hadn't seen predator uh or any of the predator films but uh, so this was my first introduction to the kind of the predators as, as characters as a like species within this universe um and i i think i was 11 or 12 when i saw this movie um and I know that it's one of those kind of movies that people are like, oh my god, that's a dumb movie. But I love this film. There are several on our shelf. Just wait until we get to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That film is even worse than this one. I love it almost as much. It is cheesy. <laughs> this is cheesy, but in like the best it's, possible way. It's cheesy and it takes itself quite seriously. But I mean, I think there are, if you dissect it as we have for this discussion, it's actually like there's not a lot wrong with it it's i, I mean there are there are some of, things wrong with it yeah but. i mean it, it comes across as very ham-fisted which we will get into um but I, I i don't mind it it's sci-fi action of in a film franchise that i really love and so yeah i've watched it multiple times over the years and it's just yeah it is up there the, it's, it's one of the ones that makes the alien and predator franchise kind of one of my favorites yeah i mean i will say it does kind of throw a spanner in the works in terms of like how the continuity with like Prometheus and everything like that. But yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I think that was my biggest initial takeaway from this film was like, wait, what? How, how, yeah. how, do, how does this, pl- how does this feed into the now sub uh, like the now subsequent um, prequels that, that really Scott's made. And it's just like my head hurts trying to un- disentangle it. 
to be honest, as someone who's not particularly familiar with Prometheus, I watched it through once and thought it was really dull. It was really dull. We don't have it in our DVD collection. It was not released when the Total Destruction DVD collection came out. So we don't have to worry about it. But also, if you, I don't know the ins and outs of Prometheus that well, so maybe the lore is kind of lost on me. But what I find really interesting about this film is that it's not, the fact that it is a prequel and it is the precursor to how the Whalen Utani Corporation, which we are introduced to in this film, know well, about the aliens. Well, it, it's only the Whalen Corporation. Yeah, at this it's, point. It's, but I mean, between this and Alien, we're looking at, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. But this is how they know that, you know, extraterrestrial life exists. And the fact, you know, you talk about like Star Wars as a sci-fi franchise and the prequels are known as the prequels. If I say the Star Wars prequels, everyone knows what films I'm talking about. But AVP isn't massively addressed as a prequel to Aliens. No, not not, not really at all. It's, it, it's a bit, um, I don't know, it just seems a bit... It, it does kind of feel like it's very forced in a way to kind of fit the overall story. I, but I do think it's a good kind of it's it's good at what it does though yeah for sure i mean i yeah it like i I said it's ham-fisted i think that's kind of what you're getting at as well by saying it's quite forced because i mean again we'll, we'll get into this in a bit more detail later but as it's introducing certain story elements from the alien franchise it is like everyone who has seen those movies is just ticking off a list of Oh, there's face huggers. Oh, there's evidence of them bursting out of bodies. Oh, there's eggs, and we know what's gonna happen at every beat of this story. Oh, there's somebody on, uh, that's been like pasted to the wall. Okay, yeah, we know they're gonna be fucked and de- uh, like yeah, there's yeah. gonna be an alien exploding from their chest any second. And oh, the the predators have come in and turned invisible. Oh, we know they're gonna sneak up on someone imminently. You know, we, we know, know we know they're gonna blow somebody up. Yeah, we know the story beats at this point, and I think that's. Um, I think that's why it kind of gets such a bad rep because it's literally just some very hand hand-fisted rehashing of stuff we've already seen. Yeah, but I mean, like, I will say straight off the bat, you do have a pretty like decent cast, which was I was not expecting the first time I saw it. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I'm not massively familiar with many of the actors in it. I know that the um the lady who plays the lead, she was also in Blade and yeah. um Love and Basketball, which was covered on the Bechdel cast, which yeah. excellent podcast. Everyone should watch it. Um well you also had uh Tommy Flown again who plays uh the kind of like rough uh like expedition kind of like security oh, yeah. guard. But yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, he, I'm familiar he, with him he, from he, Sons, of Sons, of Sons of Anarchy. He's also in Gladiator. He's he's in a load of other films from around this era. And yeah. it, like and he's he's really, really good. Yeah, I mean and I'm surprised that uh the lead actress isn't in more stuff. She's great. Her name is uh Sana and I hope I'm pronouncing Sanar it. Sanar Lathan. Sanar Lathan. Yeah. Um and yeah, she's like I think she's really good in this film. For a film that is like kind of campy and a bit ham fisted and a bit cheesy. Like it's got she's a great character and the actress plays her really, yeah. really well. Well uh, it does do a really good job. Um I do think like I, I think a, as a whole, she had the most well-rounded character. She was the most fleshed-out. Uh, she was the most fleshed-out character, um, other than uh, Lance Hendrickson's character as yes, uh, it, like uh, y- Utani and he. My God, Wayland. Wayland. Yeah, sorry. 
Um, but yeah, he's he's really. I I'm glad that they got him on in on this because if, if they put somebody in else other than him in it, it would be a little bit. It it would feel kind of weird. It ties things together a lot better, and I'm not gonna lie to you, it makes a lot of sense that she's the only kind of fleshed out character, except maybe our main predator guy, because yeah. before long she is the only character. So, right before we get too far into this, um, I just gonna give a quick summary of the film um so obviously we've alluded to the fact that it is a prequel so it's set on in 21st century earth it's set in the kind of timeline that we as the audience are familiar with um charles wayland an industrialist uh, an industrialist billionaire so he's obviously the wayland of wayland yutani that we hear about much later in the alien film uh leads an archaeological expedition in antarctica where they have discovered an underground um, Aztec, Mayan, Egyptian pyramid. So they go for an archaeological excavation there. And once inside, they find the ancient remains of humans with holes in the ribcage and the remains of face huggers, uh, meaning the possibility of the temple being uninhabited is very unlikely. And to compound this issue, a group of teenage predators uh, for their coming-of-age ritual come to the temple to hunt the aliens and it becomes imminently clear that nobody is going to make it out alive. You know, I just kind of realized while you were t- talking through this, this film is kind of a mix of not only um, a horror film, a action film, but it's also got beats as far as like a heist film goes, because you, like, you've got the start where it's assembling the crew, <laughs> you know, which I, I, I just kind of realize that it was yeah, like yeah i mean maybe yeah. that's what because i mean heist films obviously they're you've got like, a soft spot for them i love heist films oh my god i we, love we've heist got films. quite a few in our collection we've got quite a few in our collection and i can't wait to talk about them yeah. but that's another day i think that's really interesting and maybe that's what makes it because there's a lot of parodies about heist films about you know the getting the crew together and making the plan and then the plan goes wrong and all of those beats yeah and there's a lot of parody of that kind of taking the mick out of that formula because it's been done so many times yeah and maybe that's what makes this film kind of cheesy or campy yeah i mean it's a it's a it's a sci-fi heist film really because they they go into like like it's just so so silly in so many ways like you've got the you've got the archaeologist you know yeah who who is clearly not an archaeologist actually (laughs) yeah it's like everyone has their kind of specialism you've got the guy with the gun and you've got the guy who's like security and you've got the guy who's an archaeologist and you've got the girl who's the you know the like expedition leader and you've, you've got, got the, the boss nerd. guy and yeah exactly you've got all of and that's kind of heist movie-ish i like that um but i would argue it does draw on a lot of horror tropes so our yeah, first scene we see is this flashback to 1904 when the mining camp that they later come to to establish base camp is inhabited and um the predator ship comes in and the uh inhabitants of the camp in 1904 are killed um and that's a trope often used in horror films like they show oh the last time the monster came you know well the the, the way it was filmed it was all it was filmed in a very like jagged really disorienting manner which is yeah meant to disorient you but it like that was actually quite well uh, choreographed and uh, i like it really kind of it was a statement for how the rest of the film was going to go and that that was yeah. really cool yeah i mean for me like that definitely evoked some like just the style of the filming and stuff evoked some kind of 
very like horror film Visceral. kind of beats for me is that would you say that that kind of filming style is quite common in horror films yeah it, it very much is especially uh like that disoriented uh aspect of, to it is is done a lot in, in horror films to kind of like build tension and kind of uh have you identify more with either well in some instances the protagonist or the victim you know it, it you're supposed to it's supposed to kind of engage you yeah no i definitely agree with that and um but again like i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about this a fair bit during this podcast but it's it uses tropes like this oh the last time the monster was here with all this kind of shaky camera work and stuff at the beginning um to establish horror tropes i don't find this film scary Uh, alien is scary this film is not scary yeah well i mean i I do think it's good for kind of establishing the it it is an establishing setting and an establishing scene in in a way because it it kind of sets up kind of like it sets up that the aliens uh, that the predators were there far far uh, far ahead and and it kind of like sets the premise which to be honest, if you took away that scene, it would be kind of it like it wouldn't really have much sense. To, like, yeah, no, I it, definitely it, agree. It, it, I it definitely adds agree. context. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, and also, it kind of adds the stakes to the audience because you're like, oh, that's a human, that's Antarctica, this is Earth. Yeah. We have aliens coming to Earth, and they are violent. So yeah, it adds a sense of kind of stakes. Well, and then, um, the next thing we we immediately cut to is my note for that was. Hey, isn't that the satellites from Contact? Yeah, that's that's kind of what that's that's kind of thinking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's the exact same satellite setup as these for Contact. And obviously, oh, Contact uh, quite a seminal uh, sci-fi film, w- which is also on our on our list. Also on the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, well, uh, that's the uh, that's like the oh god, I forgot the name of the uh, the radio dishes themselves, but they're in New Mexico. Big satellites. I just yeah. call them the big satellites. Oh, we not. should probably do more research. Yeah. <laughs> we don't research things. We have jobs. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know it's part of SETI. Yeah. yeah it's, it's cool. Anyway, so yeah, I think they use them in quite a few sci-fi films to be like, you know, there are aliens out there and this is how we're contacting them and things like that. They're a staple so in Southwest. So yeah. from those satellites, they obviously get the information of the pyramid and of the, the heat flare that kind of, you know, ignites it and makes it show up on thermal imaging cameras. Well, I, I was a bit confused by that scene because it why the hell were they looking for it why the hell were they looking for that f- that that heat flare in the first place because they're like we found it and i was like well no they they i think that we found it is in reference to a, we found something they found a temple and i think they were just generally scanning because the heat flare like comes from space and it's it's explained much later because i was a bit confused about this as well i thought the heat flare was the predators simply making a tunnel from the surface to the pyramid. It's spo- but actually, they establish later that it's a lure. They're basically lighting yeah. it up to get people to go there, so that there are things for the aliens to yeah, nest in. Yeah, but but why were they looking for anything? Like, why were they looking for anything in the first place? That would I think like, that's their whole like, job. Wh- 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 like, yes, but why would the hell would you be doing thermal imaging of the of the South Pole unless you were doing either? stuff that's far above uh sorry, far above surface Cause, like there's so many scientific questions i have but i don't think this film it, it, is it, that it, heavy on the science yeah i know but i i understand that this is just a kind of a weak plot device to kind of kind of force the story along yeah you know? which but, is why it is very it, glossed over and the next thing we're doing is the team heist style like 
we're getting a team together. Yeah, but it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, I mean, I don't know. It's vague enough that you're just like, there are people whose job it is to look at the things that the satellites record. The satellites have recorded this heat thing. We're going to go look at it. I think that's it has to be that simple because if you think about it too hard, the whole premise of the film completely crumbles and that's probably why it's not very critically acclaimed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that, that that's about part of the course, really. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, this film is, is, is very silly and, like, I mean, the franchise, the earlier films in the franchise, the Alien, kind of, especially Alien, um, gets a lot of the kind of sci-fi, science-y stuff right uh, and this film sort of gets away with riding the coattails of that. It's like, we've established that science works now we don't have to talk about it anymore. We're just going to make some aliens kill shit. <laughs> so, yeah, we first get introduced to our protagonist, uh, Lex, who is the expedition leader. She's like a, a kind of explorer, like polar ice expert. And like, I, I quite like the way Lex is introduced. She's within 30 seconds of meeting her. We see her. She's climbing. So she's very, you know, active, very capable. She's by herself, so she's very independent. And, you know, it kind of drives home the fact that she's capable. Her phone rings and um, she loses her grip and she falls. Um, but she's very quickly Finally. able to save herself. So she's able to, you know, she solves the problem by herself. She saves herself. She's very, like, you self-sufficient. Know, she's, yeah, she's a very self-sufficient, capable female protagonist. And she's immediately tapped by the Whaling Corporation for this expedition. And then we do the high style thing of we visit a different location, but it's the same recruitment guy yeah. in the desert this time <laughs> recruiting Which, the archaeologist. Well, yeah, that is not the way archaeology is run. I, I've I've got friends who do archaeology in Mexico where that's supposed to be set, and I thought that was Egypt. No, it that, had sand. That was Mexico. <laughs> like I they they, they had they had like uh they had like the um pyramid of the sun. It was it, oh, it, it was very. Like, I wasn't really looking. Yeah, and also, also like, yeah, that was definitely not Egypt. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I don't know. He establishes himself like very quickly. He's an expert in all archaeology, so he, he's like, I know what my pyramids. pyramids look pyramids look like. I know what Aztec temples look like. I know what Egyptian pyramids look like, and this is everything. Well, so that's what he says like straight away. He says he's an expert in pyramids, is what he said. Oh, because that's a thing. Yeah. Which, it brings me to my next point. This film needs to stop giving weight to pyra- pyramid conspiracy theories. They have their first, like, meeting all together. And they're like, it's got elements of Mayan and Aztec and Egyptian pyramids. And the archaeologist is like, that's right. Because some great force taught all of the civilizations of the Earth to build pyramids. It's like, yeah, no, it- dude, if you stack blocks long enough, then they pretty much end up in a pyramid. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I did write in my notes, like, oh... Ancient aliens guy this should be arriving anytime going aliens. <laughs> yeah, right. I just, oh, it, yeah. I mean, I think we've mentioned before, Ryan and I are both professional archaeologists. This hurts my heart. We're just like, no, aliens didn't do it. Stop taking the credit away from the achievements of, of ancient mankind. They, I, you know, I, 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 I do, I do like, shit. I do like in this instance it being. Okay, it, it was the predators and aliens. Definitely. Well, no, it wasn't the predators and the aliens. It was just the predators. Oh yeah, the yeah, it was yeah, just the predators ship. who were we later established were the gods. So maybe it's just a thing of these like 
kind of explorer expedition films, but I was getting a lot of uh, Disney's Atlantis vibes at this point. We've yeah. got the crew of experts. We're on like a, a ship. We've got lots of all the machinery and the diggers and all this stuff being like introduced. And I was just getting really strong, like Milo Thatch vibes from yeah. the uh, I archaeologist mean, guy. And I mean, I'd maintain Atlantis is also kind of a heist film as well. Yeah, I mean, it has that, that that kind of, yeah, tropes. And then there's the double cross at the end. Yeah, Atlantis is a heist film. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. It's the biggest heist because you didn't realize it was a heist. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so around this time, we've got our human heroes kind of gearing up and they're getting down to the pyramid. We also get introduced to our um, predators as well. And well, vaguely. Yeah, but we get... Okay, so we're in their ship and they're, like, gearing up, basically. And they're, like, going and getting their helmets and they're picking up guns and they're looking really cool. And uh, I'm already rooting for them. I'm already rooting for them. Yeah, the humans are useless. Fuck them up. Oh, yeah. Win. I mean, this whole film is very much predicated on you actually having watched not only Predator, but also Alien. It's like some of the Alien films to kind of really understand what's going on. As I said earlier, I had not seen Predator at this point, and I would argue you don't really have to, because the Predators in this film are very different to the Predators in the previous films. Okay, okay, Alien. Like, you have to watch Alien, or or, or else the context is slightly lost on you. Oh, God, yeah. The whole, like... Life cycle? Well, the whole next kind of sequence, from them getting into the pyramid to the Predators getting into the pyramid, is all repeating the alien films oh, essentially very much, yeah. but just going back to the predators getting gearing up scene real quick the the the, the first predator film with uh, arnold schwarzenegger in is a monster movie you know there's a group of men in the jungle there is one monster they can't see even though he's like a sci-fi monster who's like got gear he's got armor he's got all this it's a monster movie this they're establishing really early on that they're giving the predators kind of culture and a sort of humanity by like being like they look more like adventurers gearing up than monsters getting ready for a slaughter like yeah and that i don't know if that in a lot of ways it detracts from the franchise i still enjoy it because i'm a sucker for these things but it does detract from the franchise a bit i i I don't know i i i do think it's it's kind of interesting in a lot of ways like i i, I kind of feel like it's mm, I, I feel like at their base they could very much be a kind of like a, a, a like a, a really just purely hunting species and stuff like that and very purist to like uh, the one in predator was but you could kind of like there's definitely room for interpretation of it being much more like that species being much more like like the like they were in this in, in this film you know like yeah i mean it, you get hints of it in the first predator film of like okay they it's because they like to challenge themselves that they come down to different planets and hunt species and that is built on even further in the predators uh film which again we don't have because it was released after the dvd collection that we have was um but it kind of it just it gives them this kind of cultural riches it almost makes them basically klingons from star trek yeah pretty much we're basically dealing with klingons and it just 
it would be a very different movie if you're literally dealing with the 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 predator from the predator movie and the alien from the alien movie you know yeah. you're looking at a really different movie because those are the, like they're they're as as they're called they're apex predators and they are in both those movies built to be the most threatening thing and it is literally against all odds that humans survive their encounters with them so um yeah. arnold schwarzenegger's character whose name escapes me right now and um ripley sigourney weaver's character respectively so you know they they survive their encounters against all odds in the style of a horror movie whereas seeing these predators come in with some kind of humanity and like an almost like cultural intelligence right from the off gives us hope yeah they're they're clearly cast as uh, as protagonists somewhat heroic as well yeah. like i mean yes they they do do some like bad things to some of our our characters like the first thing they do when they land is slaughter everyone who's left at the base camp which um i'm guessing it's just for trophies or something because uh, this isn't part of um we we're, I, we established I, later that this is like a kind of manhood ritual for these I, predators they're they're going in for like their kind of adulthood rite of passage to I, hunt i took it as kind of a, a guarantee that if the aliens got out that they couldn't breed more oh i didn't think of that that's a really good point that's that's purely what that's it was a really like. good point and, uh, that's and, a, and that the, re- the point. reason why it was down at that far end of the world is because they don't want to they, yeah. it's, it's to keep them kind of pent up but we the fail save as we establish in the flashback um when the the archaeologist character is reading the kind of um the glyphs and stuff their fail save isn't to you know kill everyone in the surrounding area even though that would make a lot of sense it's the um the explosives they they are basically they have historically and will again blow the whole place up if there's any danger of a leak in contamination but anyway so we've got these predators getting ready we've got the humans in this pyramid and as i said we basically just get a rundown of we get a condensed version of the alien films um we get you know the pyramid shifts we get the eggs coming up we we've we're uh, introduced to the fact there's a pr- imprisoned alien queen who's um you know egg laying thing is like she's electrocuted into laying eggs as soon as the pi- the uh, humans step into the pyramid well, so that's all well, established she's unfrozen first was she frozen yeah she was frozen oh. remember she was handcuffed as well yeah she's frozen handcuffed and then like uh, there was like electricity that kind of unfroze her Oh, the electricity was to like make her lay eggs. Yeah. Yeah. And on freezer. Oh, cool. I didn't notice that. Um, but yeah, so she's she does that. So we've got that alien queen there. So you know, if you've seen aliens, you know she's gonna break out and cause some problems at this point. You're waiting, literally. You know, you see the dead face hugger. You're like, oh, there's gonna be face huggers. You see the people who've had chest bursters burst out of them. You know that's gonna happen. The team gets separated. Never split the party. It's never a good idea. They get locked in. The eggs come up. You know, it's the same beats, and we we know what's gonna happen. Yeah, next. exactly. I mean, so, the, the the only really difference is really the change in scenery. Yeah, like. The the change of scenery is interesting. I I really like these kind of, you know, it's almost like a Indiana Jones kind of Lara Croft vibe. You know, yeah. we're we're in the in the dungeon, in the temple, in the you know. Yeah, it's 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 very it's meant to feel claustrophobic. Yeah, it's 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 meant to kind of, it's meant to kind of feel like uh alien like alien like where you have a very set where you have a f- very clear clear defined location you're not really able to get out of it at all yeah it, but it's, uh, so like like it's it's 
it's very much the maze, if you will. Yeah, and, for sure, for and sure. It, it really, really works from a cinematic point of view because you ha- you can play with angles a lot more. You can play with uh, you can play with space. You can make people feel really cut off, really claustrophobic, really panicked, and it, it, it works for the horror genre. Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's what they were going for. Exactly. Was for that, but because in you know, since the last films have come out, we've got Indiana Jones films, we've got Lara Croft films coming out. I think the the first uh, Angelina Jolie Lara Croft was introduced in two thousand and one. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but I think it was around then. And uh, those films are really quite camp and they're really, you know... Very much so. You know, OTT and and very kind of... uh, You know, it's it's not... They don't have tropes that fit into the horror genre. So using like an Aztec temple, it's because of these other kind of cultural milestones we've got. It's just not a scary setting. Like, we know Indiana Jones can roll under the door and grab his hat at the last minute, you know? It's Whereas this, this kind of spaceship from Alien is like, oh no, they are in the darkness of space and no one can hear them scream, you know? Like, they cannot leave. Whereas this is like, oh, you know, the Predators are coming in. There's hope there. The pyramid moves every 10 minutes. There's hope there. But yeah, so we, we basically tick off everything we know about the aliens and predators that make them scary we introduce this kind of setting we introduce all this kind of cultural stuff and um yeah so the stage is set and then we're ready to for the groups to kind of smash together half the team are insta killed because they give birth to the aliens yeah yeah, pretty much they're in the wrong place wrong time yeah exactly which i mean i would say everybody in this film was like that oh god yeah and then the rest are slowly picked off throughout the film by either the aliens or the predators kind of um, separated from the rest of the team by the shifting building or um you know yeah. i mean, I, I like mean that. to be honest like that's probably the best summary of this portion because you really can't say much no i mean it, like it, it's very much like you know classic alien predator film you know like, yeah like they're all just being yeah picked off one by one. It's, yeah. It, they're they're all being either taken to um to the crash with the alien crash so they could be mm-hmm. more that's can a be really made. Creepy word for it. Oh, I, I I looked it up and apparently that, that's that's <laughs> no, one, that that's, it makes sense. The terminology, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. oh that's terrifying. Yeah, but um yeah it it's yeah, there's not really much you can say. The only thing you can really kind of like, I mean from a cinematic point of view. I really liked a lot of the like the dungeony shots because it, like they're really like they're all really high contrast. They use really good use of overall movement. It it like it had a lot of the same kind of movement like techniques that get uh, camera movement techniques that uh, Alien Four had, mm. which was really really refreshing. Yeah, I mean I agree with that. Like I I really like the cinematography. I really like the use of kind of. Um, like the kind of greenish light yeah the, the, and the, the, the of, color palette yeah, stuff, yeah the color palette is really good but again the setting when you've got that bit where they're walking down the hall of um the tall predator statues and the archaeologist is like oh these are really culturally interesting and things like that it's so cheesy the whole setting is so cheesy to me it's like oh my god it's like this is why zombie apocalypse films tend to be set in oh. like warehouses you know yeah. it's because it's like oh it's the mundane situation that we could find ourselves in and that's why it's scary whereas yeah. it's like i will never be wandering through an aztec temple 
by myself it, it, so it, i you know it removes you from it and makes it that more kind of indiana jones action type film where we know the hero is going to prevail even if everybody else dies oh uh, absolutely i mean I, I do kind of i do kind of like the fact that it does kind of there's scenes that really fit the like kind of like temple like temple trope like um oh indiana jones kind of feel like the jumping over the fucking broken bridge yeah like I, I noted that in my thing. I was like, oh, yeah, th- this is a clear nod to Indiana Jones right off the bat. And it's it's just very... It's, I, I don't know. Like, I like it, but it's, it is very cliche. Like, th- th- this film is cliche in so many oh, ways. Oh, God, yeah. And I think that's, again, that's why it wasn't massively, like, successful. And that's why it's kind of not critically acclaimed. And it's mu- it's kind of regarded as one of the worst films of the franchise. But... I can't help but really enjoy it. Again, it, like, and I, I, you contrast it to Alien again, where it's the same kind of concept of one girl is left. You know, you've got that horror film last girl trope um, in a space she can't leave and the enemy is in that space as well. And that should lend itself really nicely to like a kind of scary, hopeless horror setting. But we've got so many things introduced quite early on that give you hope that... Ripley's situation there's there's a great deal of despair felt there and that's what makes it feel a lot more scary whereas in this situation that's kind of lacking because of the cheesiness yeah it's it is it's kind of I don't feel like this film really translates it translates outside of itself really like it oh yeah it's in in a lot of ways kind of very I know it's meant to fit into this overall story and stuff like that in in some ways, but it struggles to do so. And oh god, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I still think it's like an interesting concept. Yeah, you've got these, yeah, same. The in these two separate film franchises, you've got these two extraterrestrial beings, both established as being the scariest thing, and it's like, okay, so this species, their whole thing is that they hunt scary things obviously they would want to hunt the most dangerous game which we have established is these things so that works i i I do think it's a really interesting concept but yeah like you say it doesn't massively it it does fit the franchise but i think they should have made more effort to make it fit the franchise you know yeah like the star wars prequels weren't good for a lot of the same reasons that this prequel isn't good but this should have being fitted into the franchise as a prequel more like yeah. a scene at the end where the kind of the someone from Wayland yutani was like logging all of this and like labeling it as like a file name that we're familiar with from the alien franchise yeah. so that we know we've got that direct link between oh we've we this is how we know that these aliens exist and things yeah. like, and this is and the Wayland yutani corporation ex- established early on that they want they're interested in, you know, translating this into biological weapons and things like that. Like tying this to the franchise in more ways than just having the same creatures and the same corporation and the guy who plays Bishop involved. I I, 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 I do think that the they were I mean, they were creative at least. And yeah. and, and like they definitely like they definitely tried things that a lot of the other films hadn't really tried in, in a way. Yeah, I would but, definitely give you that. But yeah, it, it does kind of fall into this, like, very, like, yeah, very cheesy crossover 
but and and I I do appreciate uh, like this is actually a crossover that I really do appreciate. Yeah, I, I really like it as a as a crossover. Yeah. I like that. I like the idea that these things exist in the same universe. Yeah, and it, it is it is it really contextualizes contextualizes a lot in a really yeah. kind of really nice way. So if you look at it this way, what you've basically got is the first instance we know about these things is a military uh, encounter with one of these predators who's come to Earth to hunt humans. The next time you hear of them is another predator comes down and is hunting humans in a city in Predator 2. Then we've got them discovering that aliens and the predator is coming to Earth again. And then we've, we don't... Oh no, predators would then be chronologically next. Because that's when people from like the 21st century are abducted to an, a predator planet. And then we don't get the main kind of alien storyline for, you know, another hundred years or yeah, so. Yeah, I've, I've never actually seen Predators, so, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It, it suffers from a lot of the same issues that this one does. Yeah. It's kind of a bit tropey, a bit campy, but eh. it's, yeah. it's fun. It's fun, uh, especially if you like this kind of franchise. Yeah. One thing I did want to say about the, like, because, again, the plot is so kind of rote at this point that there's no point in dissecting it. But uh, what I will say is the r- thing that we've established about the aliens that makes them, aside from, you know, they are fast, they are big, they are strong, they have acid blood, is the fact that they are clever, right? Yeah. They're like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. They are intelligent, but it's this biological intelligence. It's like we don't kill randomly, not because we've got some kind of cultural reason to do so, but because we know we need to save this host to lay eggs to propagate our species. Yeah, it's pretty much just fuck kill and yeah. yeah we've got this terrifyingly cold biological intelligence and the same thing the predator is scary because it's got this technological advancement that we you know can't even fathom and you know humans can't come up against that but what this film establishes is they they kind of rehash the whole aliens are biologically intelligent thing and they you know repeat a trick from um predator four uh where they they use their own acid to break out you know they break the queen out you mean of her alien shackles. Four. i did say it. i said alien four you said predator four did i yeah oh i meant alien four um so obviously there's a scene in alien four where they melt one of the they kill one of their own to use his acid blood to melt them out of the prison they do the same with the queen's shackles here so they again it's that pack tactics intelligence thing but the predators they're given this kind of cultural thing you know the archaeologist gives us that whole flashback where he's like they were worshipped as gods and they established these training things and they have these rituals and you know it's a coming of age ceremony and all of this stuff and they've got sacred weapons and you know they establish them as this really culturally intelligent species again like the Klingons in Star Trek and I thought that was quite interesting and it's it's a bold move in a franchise that's already established it's like now every piece of content that contains the predator species has to include the fact that they are a culturally intelligent species yeah it has it has to incorporate that and and i i do think that was kind of a bold move on paul anderson's yeah uh, yeah, part i mean to be honest i I do think that like uh, there's very little i can fault with this film overall other than kind of just like kind of slight story like story uh, like continuity things and just kind of the general cheesiness like but again it it is it is quite creative in a lot of ways and i don't know like it i i I don't want to 
take it down any points for that? No, I again like I especially now that we're now that we're kind of dissecting it to this extent, I can see a lot of you know there's a lot obviously a lot of holes in it, especially in terms of like comparing it to the wider franchise, especially when you've got you know Alien established as like one of the seminal sci-fi horror films of our time, and and kind of those early movies being so good, and then you've got this one which does pale in comparison but i i I love it this is one of the ones that is one of my rainy day movies i will put it on whenever it's kind of yeah Yeah. (laughs) whenever whenever it's like yeah i don't know whenever i'm sad i'll put it on yeah Uh, uh, okay (laughs) so yeah as we wind down the movie you've got uh lex is the last human standing she teams up with this predator um and it's again it's this this trope of like the horror trope of the last girl but in an action film um so she's had all these traumatizing events happen to her and she's got some bio armor now yeah well. she gets given some like weapons by the Klingon. So by the klingon by the predator again but it is very klingon like you know they have their like sacred weapons and it's like a big deal for them to confer weapons on anyone who isn't a klingon so yeah. she has this kind of bonding thing with this predator and then we are miraculously transported back to the end of aliens where they blow up the whole thing but then there's a queen <laughs> so. yeah yeah that th- that that did feel a bit like <laughs> a bit a bit james camerani oh yeah it was yeah. so like it, it's kind of it was this attempt to smash together the Two end whole worlds, yeah. of like because the predator blow like tries to blow up uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end of Predator. Yeah. So you've got here, you've got the same like you've got the ending of Predator where they blow it up, and then you've got the ending of Aliens where the Queen turns up, and they've like smashed these two endings together and gone, we can make this work. It it did work. It does work. It does. Apart from the fact that Lex is wearing one thermal layer. Yeah, I, that was one of the things in my notes. <laughs> yeah. <as well. laughs> it's she's like, like bitch, okay, be she's freezing. running about and stuff, but in those kind of temperatures, she would be dead in minutes. And then when the Predators like come and like commence her and give her this kind of ceremonial gift again this kind of cultural intelligence thing we're talking about um she just walks off towards the the vehicle yeah the, the, that's just she's very still only b- wearing one layer yeah. <laughs> but that vehicle is just somehow one still working the lights are still on yep. it's like conveniently 10 very, feet very, away from where she's convenient. standing <laughs> like wouldn't that have been destroyed oh i don't i don't think it would have necessarily i don't think there's any the predators wouldn't have any vested interest in doing that but what i find interesting well, no, no, is no, no no i mean like that's where that's where it, lo- it looked like that's where the uh the alien had kind of run run at oh. her so oh i thought so you meant by the predators yeah, when they no, killed no, no, the no, no, guys no. that were there no oh yeah no the queen definitely should have like knocked that over or melted it or something but yeah what i find interesting about the last kind of bit of the film is the predator ship doesn't land or anything. It's there the whole time. So there's a ship full of predators watching to see how well their youths do in this in this ritual kind of hunting combat situation. I think it was also to kind of protect humanity, maybe? Maybe, it's maybe. But I mean, they're, they're, again, their get-out-of-jail-free card is that they can just blow the pyramid up if things are going wrong, which obviously is what happens. Um but yeah, so even though an alien queen gets out and there is a human and an injured predator fighting it, they're just like, no, nah, they got this. 
no they got this it's fine and what i really like about that is it's it's lex's like idea but she's just not quite strong enough to do it that, that um gets rid of the alien queen so he sees that she's kind of cleverly trying to pull her off the cliff and he's like that's a great idea let's do that and joins in and is like so all the way throughout this film i think no matter how you know average this film is even though i do still really like it lex is a fantastic character she's a really really good female character i think she's really cool and she's just really well established as who she is throughout and she's a really good protagonist really good protagonist i'm a big fan of lex yeah um and then yeah the uh predators fly away with their injured comrade and then we see an alien predator hybrid burst from his chest yeah Ooh, scary also lex gets a spear yeah i said the ceremonial thing um and she gets a spear and takes it and goes back to her lorry <laughs> snow cat yeah and, and i'm assuming just goes back to the boat and it's like well everyone died yeah <laughs> and I, I got I, the spear <laughs> i really hope there's a deleted scene that's like i'm back where the fuck is everyone else oh they f- don't worry about them just, just, just don't worry about it go. i have this spear let's yeah. leave yeah <laughs> right it's crazy yeah one final final point so in alien three Three, maybe? I don't know. Which one? In the one David of the Venture alien one films. Or? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely Alien 3. It's definitely Alien 3. The alien senses that Ripley is pregnant and so then doesn't attack her. Yes. So, why does the predator keep getting attacked? He's pregnant with an alien. Uh, That's a puddle. Right? Yeah, well. That's just, that's just you know. Yeah. Well, I think so I, ma- take home. I think maybe because it's if it's a th- oh because maybe they're only uh they're only really protected if they've got another queen inside them. Uh maybe. That's probably cuz they they did say it was like a pheromone thing. Yeah, maybe. Um Yeah, yeah cuz but then it, I don't know, it's kind of like a if I don't know if it's a queen, but in the next film, which we will be discussing next week, it's definitely big a big scary thing yeah well it's it is a predalien <laughs> yeah it's a predalien yeah um so ryan how would you rate this film i'd probably give it a seven a seven i thought yeah. you'd go lower than that no no it's, it, it, it was fun to watch i liked the cinematography photography in some aspects i i mean it's cheesy but it was it was a solid watching experience, and it's something I'd actually be fine with watching again. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 no, I would definitely watch this movie again. I love it. It's soothing. It's you know, it's a bit of a hero's journey. You have enough like kind of hope. There's that you you know the that the hero's gonna win at the end. It's you cinematic get this unlikely friendship between. I think it's really funny that you're calling something based on two huge like sci-fi action horror franchises, a uh, candy floss. Yeah. That's very funny. <laughs> but I just, <laughs> that's great. Um, no, I, I, I really love this movie and I like, you know, you can root for the, the underdogs, the unlikely friendships, all hope is lost, but it's set in a cool temple and then they win anyway and they use the doomsday protocol, but they survive it. And then something even worse happens, but they survive that. And it's just good. I just enjoy it. Um, 
So I'd pro- but I'd still probably only give it. Yeah, I'd probably agree on a seven. I was gonna go for a six, but then I realized that it's my personal watching enjoyment kind of factor, and I actually really like this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot more than I can say for the second one. You mean the third one? No, oh no, no, no the sorry. second AVP movie. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Which we'll be discussing next week, and it's terrible. I would actually go as far as saying it's probably the worst film we'll be discussing on the podcast so far. Actually, I didn't like A Clockwork Orange and I really don't like Alien 3. But it's bad in a different way. Well, I'm looking forward to actually watching it to see it and to see how it is. You gotta see it to believe it. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Alien vs. Predator, a film we really like. You might not, but it's great. And we'll see you next week for AVP 2. Bye. Music was Potato Deal by Craig MacArthur. The photo used for our cover is by Rodolfo Clicks. Audio editing's by Ryan DeRoges, and this podcast was produced by Laura and Ryan DeRoges. Find us on Twitter at All's Fair Podcast, on Instagram at All's Fair and Love and Film, or email us at all's fair and love and film at gmail.com. <laughs>